Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. Thankful today, um, we asked Sister Franny if she would teach the lesson today. So I'm enjoying this, having different ones teach, and uh, it's good to hear from other people, and that way y'all don't get bored with me and Brother Ayers. (laughs) We wouldn't want you to ever get bored or anything, you know. So anyway, we are going to get started today and ask Sister Franny to come and uh, just give us what the Lord has given to her. So open up your hearts and uh, receive today, all right? I have too many things. All right, so we're going to just get started in prayer this morning first. Um, But before we do that, I do want to say it is an honor to be teaching today, and I give honor to my pastor and pastor's wife. Um, And being under their authority is probably really great, because then uh, they can pull me back when I'm doing wrong and... um, and they probably need to do that a lot for me. <laughs> I always tell Pastor on his crown when he gets to heaven, there's going to be like one great big gym. And it, the Lord's going to say, that one's for Franny. <laughs> uh, but yes, I give honor to them. They are amazing pastors and pastor's wife. My favorites and also my only, but I'm happy about that. Um, but let's go ahead and uh, go to, into prayer first. And I just felt like we should pray on the armor of God while we pray. Um, but also pray for God's will. Um, we should pray on the armor every day. But this way, if you haven't done it yet today, if you've forgotten, I haven't done it yet today, let's just uh, do that really quick before we um, go into this lesson. Jesus, I thank you, God, for this day, for this place, for all these people that are here, God. In Jesus' name. But later, God, we will go into spiritual warfare. So we need to pray on that armor. And Lord, I pray, God, that we put on that helmet of salvation in the name of Jesus over every single head here and that is going to be here, God. Help them to put on that helmet, Jesus, to cover their eyes, their ears, their mind, and their mouth, God. To just cover their whole head in righteousness, God. That that righteousness be a filter, Lord, for everything that enters into us and then leaves us as well, God from the words we speak to others and that others speak to us. Let that filter of righteousness be there, God, in the name of Jesus. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, God. Or, yeah, righteousness of the breastplate, God, to cover our heart in the name of Jesus. That righteousness cover our heart, God, and protect it, God, from anything that wants to hinder our heart, God, and go into our heart and lie to us, Jesus, and deceive us, God, against you, and poison us against you, God. I pray, Jesus, that the righteousness cover our heart, God. Girdle us, Lord, with the belt of truth, Jesus. Let it surround us and encompass us entirely, God, and hold us together and hold us firm, Jesus, in the knowledge that we know your word, God, and your promises are true and you are just and you are holy, God, no matter what it looks like, God, that we're surrounded in your truth, Jesus. 
and then shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace today so that everywhere we go including in this house into any person's presence that we walk to to speak to them or pray with them God the peace go forth the peace of the Lord in Jesus name whether or not people have been wrestling with things like God is trying to tell them to speak into people's lives God let peace go forth that they know that they have heard the voice of God in Jesus name and that they obey as God tells them to do something in Jesus name I take up the shield of faith, God, that it quench every fiery dart of the enemy, Lord, that nothing, nothing can get through this faith, God. Strengthen it. Take it through the fire again if it has to be, Jesus. But strengthen my shield that it covers me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. That faith is strong today, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, that we take up the sword of the Spirit of your word, Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And that as the enemy tries to rise up and lie to us, we can say, it is written, and then he's defeated, God. We have the victory, victory, God. Your word says it in the name of Jesus. I thank you for it, God. God, today, Jesus, just have your way in this place, God, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. It's really easy to go into prayer whenever the presence of God is already real thick today I didn't give them any title but my title is obedience and faith and I'm going to be reading from Galatians 5 today I just have to get to it I should have opened it first Galatians is one of the hard ones to find because it's a tiny one there it is Galatians 5 and we're going to start in verse 1 And it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made you free, us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. I meant to bring a visual aid today to help me, but I forgot. I do own a copy of the Declaration of Independence I got a long time ago in uh, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. So, but the Declaration of Independence was signed July 4th, 1776. And the, the war, though, was said to have started the year prior. And then they signed this. But the Declaration didn't provide us any of our freedom. It didn't do that. The King George, I think is his name, <laughs> wasn't bound by that Declaration. He wasn't, they didn't have to, he didn't have to release his hold on us. So, and the war itself was what provided our freedom when we won the war. But the war didn't end until September 3rd, 1783. So for seven years, after we declared our freedom, did we finally actually obtain our freedom. The Declaration itself provided absolutely no freedom. Instead, it was just the document that stated the intent of the 13 states to unite together and unify and then separate from England. And become their own country. That's all it did was say the intent. We could still have lost the war and not gained our independence. And if we never declared independence, we still could have fought. But maybe the people wouldn't have been as wild up as they were. Maybe they wouldn't have had as much purpose. Maybe they would have might have given up and been like, well, what's the point? But instead, we had that declaration and say, no, we declared our independence. We believe we're going to get it and we're going to receive it. But their liberty... Their freedom only came after the war. Because the famous saying, give me liberty or give me death, they meant it. They said, I'm going to be free or I'm going to die trying to be free. That's all I want. 
And I feel like today that the Lord just impressed upon me that story, that spirit of our country that we live in, that the same thing with Christ's liberty. Jesus shed his blood violently to provide us our freedom and to save us. He did not just declare our forgiveness and say, oh, you're forgiven, and then go back. No, he went on the cross himself, took it into his own hands to stand in our place so his blood could wash us. So we no longer had to be bound by that sin. We no longer had to um, die for that sin. We didn't have to be stoned for that. We, no, that sin affected us no more because Christ died. As soon as his blood is applied, he casts our sin away. It's not a part of us. The enemy can't use it against us anymore. And that is freedom. We can't just declare that there's freedom in Jesus when we're speaking to others, when we're trying to be a soul winner. We can't just say, oh, there's, there's freedom in Jesus. We have to embody that freedom. But we also have to go to war for souls. We have to go to war for them. And we did that a little bit this morning. We war for souls. We have to declare spiritual warfare on the enemy for the freedom of others. And so, going into verse 2 through 4, it says, Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Now, that was speaking of the Mosaic law. And it was Paul telling the Galatians that, hey, if you're a Christian, you don't have to, you're not supposed to follow the Mosaic law anymore. Jesus has covered us. And then in verse 4 it says, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. I'm going to take a drink of water. When I read the scripture at first, I was like, what do you mean Christ has been no effect? I I didn't understand that. I was like, Lord? But then God began to speak to me about it. See, many times people, the whole world does this, every Christian does this, even I think people of other faiths do this too. They like to envision a line, where there's a line, on one side there's heaven, on the other side there's hell. And your actions place you in one or the other. And a lot of times we're focused on where this line is, and how close we are to it. Just recently I was at Youth Congress, and... I was thinking about Brother Brown preached about different like shows on Netflix or different things like about being ministry minded. There was a show I had watched so many I rewatched it like I don't know how many times because I liked it. I'm like it's not terrible by any means of other shows on Netflix, but it did promote ungodly things and it did take a lot of time when I binge watched it. So I was like, watching it may not send me to hell, but is it pleasing to the Lord? And then that's when I decided, no, it's not. And I don't need this in my life. Not because it's sin, not because it's going to send me to hell, but it's not pleasing to the Lord. And if I'm focused on where this line is, I'm like, oh, well, it's not going to put me over here, so I'm going to stand, I'm good, I'm good here. But we're looking down. Justifying ourselves and equating salvation to our location of this made-up line is fruitless. It provides no fruit for us. And Christ then apparently has no effect on us if us getting to heaven is only based on our location to this line. There are many people in this world who 
may not have the Holy Ghost and may not be baptized and may never have repented, but yet they live a pretty good life. They're good people. They may mess up. They may, you know, but they do more good than not. But going to heaven is not about being good. It's about having the blood of Christ over you and being godly. Salvation is, has nothing to do about who we are. If it did, then it wouldn't seem as equally for everybody because we're all very different. But salvation has everything to do with who Christ is and his love for us and his love for everyone and that he died for everyone. And if we are focused on the path we're walking and we're looking down and we're so focused about obeying the law and justifying ourselves with the law, then we're losing sight of things. But instead, if we would look up and focus on the Creator, on the Savior, and the One who is calling us out, the One who called us out of the darkness and saved us from our sins, if we focus on Him and just being pleasing to Him, then the law, it won't matter because we'll be so far going this way Will we mess up? Sure. We're human. We're going to make mistakes. Do every day. That's why repentance is daily. But if we're just focused on being pleasing to God, well, then we, then the fruits of the Spirit, there's no law against them. The lusts of the flesh there are. And if we're trying to just focus on this law, then that lust of the flesh will win out more, more often than if we weren't. The law doesn't justify us. It sanctifies us. It's what separates us from those who aren't, don't belong to Christ. He said that they will know who his disciples are based off their love for one another and their love for others. That's how people know who we are all about, is if we're Christ-like. But that's our sanctification. It's not our salvation. Verse 5. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. The hope of righteousness is the returning of Christ. And it's through the Spirit that we wait for that. Through the Spirit that we wait for that hope. Wait for Jesus to come back. The Bible says to watch and pray. It's not through obedience. It's not through we obey in the time. Obedience has its place and it's very important. And we must obey Christ and his law. And we must obey our pastor. But that can't, that's not the whole story. The whole story isn't obedience. It's not the whole picture. And if we're focused on whether or not we're living right and whether or not we have obedience to Christ, then when things come up in lives and trials and other things, it's going to be a lot harder because you're like, but I'm living. I know I've done this just recently, but God, I, I'm living right. I, I, don't, I, I don't know why. Why I'm going through trial after trial, why everything is going wrong whenever I feel like I've been doing really good because my focus was on my obedience and not on my faith. But through the Spirit we wait. And through the Spirit with the fruits of the Spirit. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. So it's through the Spirit, through those fruits, that we wait. And I notice, when reading this, a lot of those are about character and about how we treat others. So if it's through the Spirit, and those are the fruits of the Spirit, 
then while we wait, we are to reach for revival. But it's by faith. Waiting, watching, and praying by obedience alone will fizzle out. Trying to reach others through obedience alone, it's going to fizzle out. And it won't last. But by faith through the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit go forth. Which One is which is faith, but others, meekness, temperance, all those things. You have to have them. If, if we want to reach souls, we have to have them. Verse 6 says, For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. I got this book at ladies' conference this last year by Brother Lee Stone King, and it's called The Fivefold Ministry and Spiritual Insights. And literally on Friday, I already knew what I was teaching on. But I couldn't quite find the words about faith worketh by love. And then the page I was left off on when I opened this book at work to read a little bit was exactly that. So, his words are better than what I could find, so I'm going to read his words. So, Brother Lee Stonekeen wrote, Don't be afraid. Fear is the dark room where Satan develops the pictures of our life. Galatians 5.6 declares a most revealing concept in truth. Faith worketh by love. Within the context of the Bible, there are great truths. One of these involves love. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, and 7, Charity, or love, suffereth long and hopeth all things. God commanded in Mark 12:31, Love thy neighbor as thyself. Even the casual observer understands that love is the fulfillment of the royal law. Faith worketh by love. The gifts of the Spirit and the workings of miracle will not, miracles will not work unless you genuinely love people. I had to stop after I heard that part. Because then you can say we love people, you know, we're nice to people, but we have to genuinely love them for those fruits of the Spirit to go forth and the gifts of the Spirit to go forth. Then it says faith does not work by our own ambitions or motives in order to obtain the moving of the Spirit. The Spirit graciously moves if the priceless ingredient of love for souls permeates the motive. Our motive must be right because faith worketh by love. It doesn't matter how long we live for Christ, how long we've been in this. It doesn't matter if we have it all right when in the mode of when we're praying with people in faith and believing someone can be healed you can lay hands on somebody and they can be healed it's based off love faith worketh by love not obedience by love faith moves God obedience pleases him and is very important but it's faith that moves him and if we become so encompassed by this faith that faith that loves people and loves God we will be moved into obedience because of our love the love fulfills the law that faith that love if we focus on obedience it won't fulfill the law again it will fizzle out our walk with God will truly become a relationship 
when we allow ourselves to genuinely love others. God spoke to me then on dimensions of faith. The one dimension is where is God's love for us. And that personal dimension. That's like the faith that we know that can move mountains. And we believe what we know God can do. We've seen it. He's healed. Brother Nolan's feet are straight now. We know he heals. We know it. And I'm sure there's others in here, but that's the one I think of. Because it's the outward, outward one. We know he can move mountains. We know he can heal. We can know he can deliver. And then, there's, so that's the faith of what God can do for us. But what about what we can do for God? It's a relationship. And relationships are give and take. Both sides. So if we want to receive from God, we probably should also give to God. If we truly want that relationship with him. So then that other dimension, God's love for us, it's God's love for others, but through us. The Revolutionary War, the soldiers fought for everyone's freedom. And today our soldiers fight for everyone's freedom. They fight for freedom of people who burn our flag and do all types of things. The soldiers fight for the freedom of those that don't like the military and think the military is pointless. He still fights for their freedom to have those thoughts and to say those things. They still fight for those people's freedoms. And as Sister Burke said this morning, no matter what's coming out of their mouth... No matter what they're saying, we have to fight for their freedom. We have to war with the enemy. Not flesh and blood. It says we war with principalities of darkness. Spirits. Spiritual warfare. So if we can just look to God and allow this faith to rise up in us. Different faith than maybe we've had before. We focus a lot. I know I have. I focus a lot on the faith that can move mountains. Like, God, I have faith in you. Just this morning, God spoke to me to share this testimony. And I didn't really want to, but I said, okay, I will. Last year, my son was born. But the year previous to his birth, I actually had had a miscarriage. And in that hard time, I prayed to God and I said, God, can you... And he had told me it was a girl, and I named her Maris so I could mourn her. And I said, can you just hold her? Because I can't. And can you tell her I love her? Because I don't know if she knows. I never got to tell her. And you can you tell her I just want to be with her? I wish I could. I miss her. Because, she, again, I'm not there. And I prayed that a couple times, and then one day, God told me, can you hold my children, the ones that don't feel me? Can you tell them I love them because they don't know me? And can you tell them I want to abide with them because right now I'm not, and they're not close to me? God used that excruciating pain and that very hard time to teach that faith of loving of one another and that's the heart of revival for us to go to spiritual to spiritual warfare for others because God died for people even if they curse him even if they persecute us Matthew 5 says blessed are the persecuted blessed are the poor in spirit blessed are the meek all those things we're blessed 
when we're persecuted because we're living for God and we're in faith and we're in that mode and we're going to reach people. There was seven years after the Declaration before we, as our country, received our independence. Imagine declaring faith and taking seven years to see your healing. Or declaring your family saved and it taking seven years to see it. If we've declared it, we've told the enemy our intent, and now we're going to see it through. But we can't just declare it. We have to, in the meantime, go through spiritual warfare for their souls. God has promised for certain people to be saved. He's told us, I want to save these people. We know that God wants to save everyone. His spirit goes over all flesh. That's what he wants. It's not his will that anybody, anybody not enter into heaven. So God wants to save everyone. But we can't just declare it and then wait for it to happen. We declare it and then we go for, to war through the Spirit, through the fruits of the Spirit, as we wait on Jesus to come back. Because we want to take as many people with us, especially the people we love. I don't know where it says it, and I'm pretty sure it was Sister Jen who had told me this once about a moment before you enter the gates where you mourn those that didn't make it. And I thought to myself, if my father never makes it, I don't know, I'll forget past that point. We have to declare freedom, declare their liberty and salvation, and then go to war for them. And tell the enemy, not today. Those people are going to be gods. Those people belong to God. And it's, it's about time that you've had enough, had enough dealing with that. Enough with their life. Enough with persecuting them and trying to hold them down. And telling them God doesn't love them. But it's through us. And not just in prayer and fasting. But when we speak to people. We have to embody that love. That's the true faith. Of embodying the love of Christ. Not just for ourselves, but for everyone else around us. And then transforming our love for people into the love of God. And that love of God was enough to die for them. So we have to be willing to at least be persecuted for it. I can't get caught up anymore about what someone might say when I tell them about Jesus. And if they are like, well, that girl's crazy. but Maybe I am. Crazy for Jesus. Because if I truly love them, then how can I not tell them about heaven? If I truly love them and believed in heaven and hell, how can I not tell them about salvation and where to get away from hell and who to look to and whose presence to enter into? I don't need to tell them all of right and wrong and everything and make sure they're living... God can handle that and pastor can handle that. I don't want that job. But if we just tell them who Christ is and bring them into his presence, that's where he's changed. That's where they're changed. That's where I was changed. Micah never once when he invited me to church said, you can't be this way anymore. You need to change this about you and you, you shouldn't do that. And that's actually a sin. And Nope, he said nothing of the sort. He just invited me to God. And then in God's presence, God changed me. That's in his presence. Today, I think it would only be fitting to end this with declarations of freedom for people and then also spiritual warfare for those people. And also, we need to pray that God puts in our heart love, a full encompassing, more than just a human love, a godly love, 
the love that knows no bounds and beyond all understanding. Jesus, I declare salvation to go forth to the people of this city and to Bethalto. In Jesus' name, I declare salvation for family members, for my Father, God. In the name of Jesus, Mark Paris will have salvation in the name of Jesus. And Satan, you have no power where God has declared it. You have no power against God's people who are walking in faith and through the Spirit and fruits of the Spirit are going forth. Against there is no law. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, Lord, we look to you. We look to you, God. God, I pray that you just draw me closer to you so I'm pleasing to you and help me to draw others with me, God. To draw my Father, to embody love to him and to everyone I meet, God. In the name of Jesus, regardless, Lord, on what they say or how they act or how they treat me, God. Because it's not about me and it's everything about you and your kingdom, Jesus, and their salvation. They need to be saved regardless of what they've done. Because I've been saved regardless of me. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray, God, that you just take my heart. Take my heart, God. And fill it with your love for others, God. Work through me, Jesus. Work through me, God. Pastor said it Wednesday night, there are people in our city who are contemplating suicide in this very moment. If God can deliver me of that, He can deliver anyone of that, but He needs to place us in their path. So through our faith, we must obey the voice of God on where to go and who to speak to. We can't just walk with our heads down at looking at the ground and not at people. And out of those around us. Oh, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We can't prove our character after we go into ministry or into soul winning or into intercessory. We have to prove it before. We have to prove our love for God and our love for others daily to people. If you're an intercessor, a soul winner, preacher, teacher, prayer warrior, altar worker, that involves all of us. We're all ministers. We all serve. We can't minister without this love. Thank you, Jesus.